A chicken is a bird. (laughs) 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 This might be the worst film podcast ever committed. Brilliant broadcasting (laughs) there from me. Just trying to get it going. Chicken is a bird. What was the point there? Hello and welcome to the Little Film Podcast. My name's Adam and with me tonight we've got Dave. Hello. Ollie. Howdy. And drinking a Yazoo, Patrick. Hi. Recently defrosted Yazoo as well. Pat made a mistake yeah. to put them in the freezer for over an hour. Just for listeners out there, half an hour ideal, one hour nightmare. pretty much a slushy or a, what do you call them? Hush puppy. <laughs> yeah, slash puppy. Yeah. Slash puppy. Yeah. And then Sorry, I was going to. Yeah. Mi- <laughs> hush gonna put- puppy's a shoe, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I was going <laughs> to. Leathery. Gonna, I was going to put it in the microwave, but Mac has got some sausages in there. So <laughs> this is uh, this did is you, great. Did you better not have one. These. <laughs> <laughs> these are for my lunch tomorrow. Bit weird. <laughs> They're not on a plate. There's just four sausages in the microwave. That's weird. Isn't <laughs> no, it? That's weird. Isn't that's weird. That's There's fucking weird. Three sausages. <laughs> <laughs> As if that was the part I was having a go at. And they're on a plate as well. I wasn't having a go at them, Bing. Like many. Here's the fact there's no plate. They're on a plate. Dave, check yeah, the okay. microwave. I'll be back in two seconds. Why, why are you How keeping oh, them in might the microwave? Be on a plate. They might why be on a plate. Keep them cool for tomorrow. <laughs> why there's, there's a fridge. fridge. You, you had a refrigerator. Dave, it's check. not 1910. There's, there's definitely a plate. He's got his milk in a plastic bag hanging out the window. Very weird place to store your yeah. It's also he's so <laughs> three. <laughs> like, no, no. He's also so matter of fact about it. It's like why are they in the microwave? Well, I'm just keeping them cool for tomorrow. <laughs> it's, like, no, it's just like well, because no, they don't want them cold. Yeah. I like them lukewarm. Yeah. There's all the meat in the larder as well. What, like, what time there is you, a fridge? What time there? are you going to eat them tomorrow? Tomorrow lunch. So surely, if you take them at the fridge, out the fridge in the morning, they'll be lukewarm it's by the lunch. Way I like to roll, mate. I think some food scientists would yeah. would be having some, no, some words. No, they're they are mate. they're great sausages as well. They're the uh, heck chicken sausages. <laughs> the amount of times you talk about heck sausages, <laughs> you might as well be sponsored by them. Now. Can I also well, say, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the uh, heck film podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so yeah, we are here to talk about a film called Bird Box, uh, which has been, as I'm sure people are aware, a, a hit on Netflix. Huge hit. Bit of a Massive viral hit. sensation. Yeah. I've seen a few memes. Have you seen some of these memes Yeah, going around? Yeah, vids on YouTube. Mm. Jesse Lingard's at it. The Bird Box Challenge mm. people doing. So have we all seen the film? I'd hope so, because we're here to talk about it, Adam. <laughs> yeah. So I did the Bird Box Challenge. Pat, Pat. I sat there, <laughs> sat there with my blindfold on trying to watch the film, but... <laughs> A little dark. I should point out as well that I it was only after I'd seen it um, that I heard anything about the how hyped it is, which mm. you know it does affect your mm. your viewing. I think so. I th- I'd kind of oh, I'd like to think I'd made my sort of assessment of it before hearing it. And in fact, it's a weird one because people. Someone said to me earlier, they're like, "Oh yeah, like people like the Kardashians are like talking about it." So I was like, 
that might negatively affect my <laughs> life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's just because it's easily accessible. But right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, uh, that's something that we'll perhaps come and talk about, the kind of uh, the fact it's on Netflix and, and what that might mean uh, for the future of cinema. It's a conversation we've had before, but uh, one worth returning to, perhaps. But uh, I'll give my usual spoiler alert up top. We are going to be talking about this film in some depth. Um, Including the ending and all other spoilers. Exactly. So let's start, though, with this synopsis. <laughs> it's just a picture of Ant and Deck on Adam's <laughs> screen. <laughs> <laughs> that's just my homepage when I open up my browser. Is that like your? Is that what you aspire to with the World Cricket Show? Is that like your office assistant? They used to have the paperclip, but you've got Ant and Deck. Yeah, it's not Adam Tone. This is the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. When a mysterious force decimates the world's population, only one thing is certain: if you see it, you take your life. Facing the unknown, Mallory finds love, hope, and a new beginning, only for it to unravel. Now she must flee with her two children down a treacherous river to the one place left that may offer sanctuary. But to survive, they'll have to undertake the perilous two-day journey blindfolded. Academy Award winner Sandra Bullock leads an all-star cast that includes Travante Rhodes with Sarah Paulson and John Malkovich in Bird Box, a compelling new thriller from Academy Award winner Suzanne Beer. Again, like, it's, it's fine. I don't, like, it's not an amazing synopsis, is it? Not the best. Are you saying we should stop? No, 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 absolutely, you should have it, and that is like the bones of the film. But like, I don't know. It's a hard. I think it's a hard film to kind of yeah to boil down to to boil down. My the one issue I'd take with it is the fact that it says an all star cast. Like, I mean, it's it's a good cast, but I wouldn't have been like yeah. It's got as many famous actors in as any other film. It's not Streep, Hank, Spielberg. It almost surprised me by the fact that like there were some quite minor roles for quite major actors. That was quite strange. Mm. Yes, Sarah Paulson disappears quite. Mm. Well. Um, Ollie, do you want to give yes. us the scores from the big online movie websites? Uh, yep. Now we finished the uh, episode of the Little Synopsis podcast. I'll go through the scores. Uh, IMDb 6.7, Rotten Tomatoes 62%, and Metacritic 51%. That's kind of average, average mm. reviews. I so we're going to give our scores now. I'm really fascinated to know what you thought about this because I just said to you off air. For me, any of you could be anywhere on the scale. I have no idea what you're going to make of it. You could give it one. You could give it nine. I don't know. Any of us? Yeah. So let's find Even out. Even factoring in like what sort of films we like, or yeah, I just really, really? don't know. Okay. I've, I'm okay. finding it really hard to get a handle on on what people have made of this. Mm. Um, Ollie, out of ten. 6.5 Dave uh, a 6 Patrick this is a weird one then uh, 8 Ooh, wow. really? I, I didn't think you'd be that high I think yeah I'm thinking I'm okay with that yeah interesting I'm giving it 7 Mm. Wow. wow interesting and it, it's also actually i thought also, we'd be the highest i thought we'd be the <laughs> highest also, i was waiting for these two it's to also it good down. because we don't want to be like predictable <laughs> yeah. in terms of like because there has been a tendency was like i'll give more negative reviews or be harsher yeah yeah so i'm quite glad that there's one film where i've given the highest i was gonna say is yeah. this the first film where you've given um, the highest mark i think it yeah i think is. it is just to kick things off um this is really hard for me to score because i felt like i was slightly hindered watching it because i'd seen a quiet place 
and I think you guys haven't seen that, have you? No, not yet. No. no. So I think that a Quiet Place is a better version of this film. It's very similar, but in the Quiet Place, it's the sensory they deal with is sound, and this one it's sight. So I felt like the whole in my review of like compared it quite a bit instead of watching it as a standalone piece of entertainment and it's that weird thing where do you know when like a film comes out and there's also like two or three other films which come out at the same time which are about the same thing this is a weird one because it's again because apparently this is actually based on a book yeah which was written before quiet place so was quiet place took the ideas of that book and changed it to something else or you know who copied mm. or did anyone copy each other but i just felt like i was a little bit hindered in my enjoyment of it because the whole time i was just comparing it to a quiet place which i think is a superior film but um it'd be interesting because obviously you guys haven't seen it so yeah i thought i'd just and also you're not you're not saying by that that you think necessarily that the director here was like i want some of that no, and no, like, no, and kind of they, they can't have done. I mean, the production must have started long before. Yeah, the yeah. Quiet Place it's um, quite, it's quite out. different tonally. It's just the idea, the of this like thing. S- yeah, the supernatural thing with a sensory thing. I understand your point, but then if you think of what was that weird film that we watched where the guy is blind and it's in his house the whole film? Oh, because that's um, a bit like don't it breathe as well in a way. That's got that same thing where he basically levels the playing field by turning off yeah, the lights. This is remember? this is like monsters. Sure. So okay. It is, and it's set in a post-apocalyptic world. It's this. It's that. It's okay, quite yeah. similar in a lot of the aspects. Which all I'm all I'm saying is that thing of like or certain themes. There. It's like um, what's the one where if you have sex, you get killed as well. There's another horror oh, which is like uh, that. It follows. Yeah. Um, that's again like thematically. Yeah, but it, does, what, it doesn't like strike you do such and such. But what <laughs> like, I think, if you sorry. you did enjoy this, which sounds like everyone did, particularly Patrick really enjoyed it, and Adam, you, sounds like you really enjoyed it, you'll really enjoy Quiet Place as well. And it'd be interesting to hear what you think about that, having seen Bird Box first and then seeing Quiet Place afterwards. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. And actually, it was something I was thinking about because, as we've discussed on the podcast before, I'm not a horror movie fan at all, and I haven't seen very many. And in looking at some reviews of Bird Box sort of post watching it i was slightly surprised that the reviews have been quite lukewarm or not that great i mean you, you gave the scores um earlier and it's sort of what 50 60 percent like not stunning reviews but a lot of what they seem to be saying in criticism was that it's quite derivative or it's quite similar to it's like we've seen this mm. kind of thing before but for me as someone who hasn't watched very many horror movies i haven't seen this mm. before so i don't know how far I enjoyed it more just because I don't have that kind of baggage of lots of other things like it that I've seen. Yeah, and I don't think it's not always a bad thing to be derivative if it's a relatively original execution. It's like when I, we were talking about Mortal Engines and it, that was very derivative. And there was n- nothing really original about how it was pieced together other than the overarching concept, which it, we came from a book. We won't get into that again because I'll yeah. just <laughs> bitch about it for an hour. But with this, it is like an original execution. And I know I gave it a six. And I think part of that might be to, we'll talk about it in a bit about the sort of Netflix surround and and how it's viewed. But it is just a really like entertaining film. And it is good. This is going to be a funny one because like I feel to a degree that with the review of The Favourite, 
that I was like, okay, I give it a six, but I actually talked about a lot of things which I think are interesting in it. Um, and this one, it's like, you're giving it a six, but I reckon you will have quite a lot of positive. And again, like six is more than half and it's not a bad review, but like, it'll be an interesting one. Like the, the areas which we think are good and... Yeah, the, this film remi- reminded me of almost like and not in a derivative way it reminded me of a lot of like 90s films yeah. so the sort of films that would come out you wouldn't watch them in the cinema but you'd rent the video from uh like a video store and you'd watch it one weekend on like a saturday night and you'd be like yeah that was pretty entertaining like starship I'm- troopers no, Starship Troopers is better. This is, I, I was thinking... I, it's a very, very different film. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of I, 90s... I was thinking more like right. films like um, The River Wild or Johnny Mnemonic. Like, Anaconda. Like Anaconda, yeah. Like Lake th- Placid. Mm, yeah, like those sorts of films where you're like, these are really entertaining, but I know they're not... Mm-hmm. brilliant i know what you did and last I, summer and i'm not gonna think about them a lot in the years to come but there's nothing to take away from yeah. the fact that I, I didn't enjoy it for yeah. what yeah. almost it, two hours it's not trying to do anything more than that it's just trying to entertain it's you. two yeah. hours of solid entertainment isn't it yeah that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what it is uh, just on the review thing uh there are certain films i've seen where i'm like confident or kind of i'm sure of the review of the score i'm getting this one will be interesting because i think uh, like i don't throw around eights out of ten but like i i wonder if stuff you'll tell me or things about it being derivative or like certain maybe predictable elements of it like i don't know i i'm open to that it could be like slightly lower but i do i did yeah i did overall think it was i think it was really good i mean what do you think about the premise so like uh, you've talked about it ollie it's sort of similar to a quiet place but just a different sense but just just the the whole idea that is the kind of driving force of the film that if you look you kill yourself like what did you think about that and and how it was executed like do you think it it worked i really like the the sort of theme if you like the the background the overarching theme the whole thing about yeah if you look you you kill yourself basically but what i particularly enjoyed about it and it was quite refreshing in a way was that the film didn't rely on like big cgi monsters or anything on screen it was all left to the your sort of imagination of what this thing actually was because you see like there's a few scenes where you see this like cloud thing but you you're not really it's not really ever explained what it actually is and that's the thing with quiet places quiet place it's monster they are monsters in it whereas this one there's not it's much more like ambiguous uh, but the actual idea yeah that you see this thing and you you kill you you kill yourself i thought was yeah done well so i think the idea is good but i think one of the things which probably i marked it down for was almost like the execution of the premise and the fact that the rules of the world are never really fully explained or set so for example you know you see it and that means that you know, you, you're you going to kill yourself, but you've got two characters in a car who are both looking the exact same way and one of the people in the car sees it and has a freak out and the other person doesn't, for me, throws up a lot of, like, inconsistency about what these things are and how you look at them. Do you know what I mean when I'm talking about that? Like, it, it felt like 
it was there when it was convenient to be there, the thing that they were looking at. And when you were saying, is it monsters, is it not? Like when it's the wind and, and things like the wind was kind of like an exciting way. Like when you saw the leaves come up, like mm. that was like thrilling and it was scary and it was an idea, but it didn't really have that at the beginning. <coughs> and when you had um, Tom Hollander doing his drawings and stuff, I felt like the suggestion was that these sort of dark creatures that he was drawing were kind of like what he was seeing and what they actually were. And when you saw those again, it was kind of like, I feel like this is detracting from the overall sense of fear and dread for me. My take on that is that I think that's really interesting. And I actually, we've talked about this before, where I'll, I'll have an issue with, with something where something can be fantasy. It could be in space. It could be with aliens. It could be whatever, but there need to be rules, right? So uh, I don't know. I keep somehow mentioning, uh, well, I'm mentioning Game of Thrones again, but like I remember watching the series and being worried by the fact that like, there's a scene where like someone gives birth to like a shadowy demon and watching it i'm like this is dangerous now because within this world which they're presenting which is both in some ways sort of fantastical but it's also could be like northern england like the accents the the behavior or medieval world there needs to be rules and even like the inclusion of dragons and stuff it's like okay but we need it needs to be it needs to work but with this film I'd make a case for the way in which that the the sort of force or whatever you want to call it, this uh, presence is done is really quite good. And the reason for that is that I actually think that the way it's done and what it can and can't sort of infiltrate, whether it can go through glass, whether do you remember there's this there's this whole scene, a whole part of the film, well not part, one scene, where this guy has this idea he's like oh my god like i've got this idea i'll watch it on the cctv and they're sufficiently suspicious about like will this have the same effect that they like tie him down to try and stop him like killing himself and everything and i actually thought that was a brilliant moment and watching him watch the footage i thought was so good and the way it's actually very good like it's just a quite a minor performance in the film but his face as he you start to see that on the cctv there's like the wind like rustling through the leaves or something and you sort of see a shadow maybe and then you just see his face rather than what he's looking at and his face sort of falls um and then you see the perspective like from the characters downstairs and you hear his chair like mm. rattling and then it's him like slamming his head against the and i thought the whole thing of not in this context of not knowing quite what it could do and when i found that almost added to the threat because when the like uh, you know when the children and uh, Sandra Bullock's character are going through the forest you are kind of like even when they've got the blindfolds it's kind of um whispering and it's there and they can feel the presence and it's sort of threatening but you're like can they still they're almost tempted to look and in other situations you're like um yeah you, you mentioned the uh, Tom Hollander character who I thought was really interesting because with his character, there's a really interesting aspect of the film, which is that the only group of people or the only type of person who can look at this and not kill themselves are people who are already crazy. Um, well, you know, in mental asylums mm -hmm. or whatever. And that that's a really interesting theme, I think, because it's like, it's this, sometimes when people talk about like, oh, these people are insane, but it's like, are they or are they like, mm. do they have some other knowledge that we don't have? So the theme of like, of Tom... Uh, Hollander's character saying he's like encountered these people to me it was almost like has he sort of glimpsed it um 
and like is therefore has done these like disturbing drawings and he's a bit like screwed up and he's like tempted to look again or is it that he's possibly from that asylum or you know there's just question marks then i didn't mind not not knowing and i didn't also mind that much that you never find out you never find out like what it is there's no explanation it makes it scary and the idea that like you know we've talked about uh, the babadook and how that's kind of about postnatal depression and this sort of thing this one is almost like it's a force whatever but it's almost like you get a glimpse of something some sort of knowledge whether that's terrifying or whatever but which just changes your outlook and a weird thought I had when watching it, which I think is quite an amazing thought, is that it's arguably not even a bad thing that you see because you're killing yourself. It could be like showing you what a sort of reward is for when you die. Uh, heaven. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like the whole thing of suicide bombers, or whatever, the reason they do what they do or say that they do what they do is because of the reward in heaven. And the mental people in the film are like, you've got to look it's beautiful like it's 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 you, you won't believe it and all this stuff so like that element i thought was that's interesting was that's interesting point. i hadn't thought of that yeah, but it, it doesn't seem like from the expressions on their faces when they are about to or decons doesn't seem like that's the kind of thing they've seen but it, it it's an interesting point i think in terms of like does it work that we never actually see what this thing is there was a part of me at the time i was watching it thinking like this is a bit unsatisfying like by the end that we still haven't scene but actually there's nothing they could have shown us that would have been satisfying no, it would have been disappointing yeah, so, it? like uh, the, yeah, the, uh, the thing of cloverfield yeah. or whatever but it's like that's the genius you know what the thing of big monsters it's just yeah i think it's actually quite a smart decision to to have not ever shown us and in terms of the like the premise itself the fact that you can't look that you that if you want to go outside you have to wear a blindfold like I, it certainly creates tension doesn't mm. it like the scenes where they are outside with the blindfold on or the bit where they they're in the car yeah that was a really know, good set um, with the windows yeah. blacked out even like going down the river the scene on the rapids i thought was great you know just the thought of like being in a like blindfolded in a boat that capsizes in these rapids and you come up and you don't know where your children are like mm. it's just a really terrifying thought and i thought that was quite well executed like even down to the the shots that are sort of sandra bullock's point of view you know where you just see the inside of the blindfold like it really kind of made me panic a bit like it's it's quite a panic inducing thought i think to yeah. not to be out in the world and you can't see where you're going i like the use of the, the wire as well which is mm. used a few times the way that, that it, you know they use that obviously she uses that to track her way back but again it's tense it's like and that's what's very good about the film is there's definitely the, the tension is done very well and it is, is gripping in places. I was just going to say, like, <coughs> that sort of theory that it's not necessarily even a negative thing. And I know you then see people, like, horribly killing themselves, but if the reward was such, then that would be so trivial to what they could potentially yeah. gain. But there's also one actual hint at that, in a way, arguably, which is that um, the character called Lydia, who is in it for about a minute, and it's an interesting... Um, decision her character because basically it's, it's no it's john malkovich's wife oh right and what happens is she decides to do something really good and kind she goes outside to help mallory and do you remember she says like yeah. mother and then she like absolutely resolutely goes and like locks herself which is nightmarish mm. in a burning car um and that might be like arguably evidence of that thing that it's not even necessarily like 
a horror thing. Right, yeah. That they Because, like, what's the mother... That they see or someone... Or it just drives you insane, or... They, I know, like... I think there's been, like, a suggestion that the thing that you see in some of the things that I've read is the thing that would be scariest to you, mm. so that everyone sees something different. Mm. And I think then, with the crazy people, the things that they see are horrendous, but because that they're crazy and they've not really got any any further to fall like those things don't disturb them and they find them beautiful whereas other people feel compelled to immediately kill themselves because they're faced with their greatest fears so it's basically like a boggart yeah exactly well what's weird it's strange that you mention that because no no, because honestly that is that is 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 quite a brilliant idea because isn't there is a character in the um within the world of um bird box who basically says this isn't there who's just like oh i apparent like they think that what it is is that you yeah. see your work this is the guy who's, who's writing a novel is that it yes yeah yeah so his ideas about it so that's it's from the world of the film but honestly like the 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 the, the idea of uh boggarts in um harry potter are that it's like you see the thing which frightens you most and it's actually quite a weird one because the force in this weirdly is actually almost a mix between boggarts and like dementors in harry potter because dementors are actually a brilliant thing they're not again all of these things tend to be from other things yeah. and they're derivative but dementors are inspired by jk rowling's rowling's um uh, experience of severe depression mm-hmm. and the idea that like when they're around any joy and any like incentive and any like spark of anything d- is drained um, and even the notion, you know, like, and again, uh, going with this, like um, the ring wraiths in Lord of the Rings, you know, when they're yeah. nearby, there's these really brilliant scenes in the first and best Lord of the Rings movie where like when the ring wraiths, like one one of them gets off the horse, you see all the insects like writhing and going like, because the animals themselves can like sense this force and like in this film the birds i think that's a really cool use of that because it's the whole thing of like the canaries down the mines yeah they're the ones to sense it but the idea that animals themselves are just like like jesus what is this like i don't know what this is but it's like freaking us out kind of thing yeah i didn't expect to talk about boggarts but it's actually quite it's kind of a mix of those two things isn't it the dementors with the lack of joy and the yeah ron doesn't kill himself when he sees spiders (laughs) or Harry Potter would be a much darker film. Newt's commander going, having to work in an office, sir, um, wouldn't be quite the same if he then killed himself after that. Um, And uh, one question I was going to ask, but then when I put this out on the message thread that we have, not to reveal too much about the the intricacies of the way we work the podcast, but um, Patrick, you weren't so keen on this question, is uh, how scary, how scared were you by the, like do you think it's effective in being scary i said i did want to talk about this because i think although in the um, rotten tomatoes synopsis you read out it had been billed as a thriller i've seen it talked about in a lot of places as a horror movie and certainly there are elements of sort of suspense and, and, and horror about it but it's not really a horror film in the sense that i don't think it sets out to be scary but I don't know what you think, Adam, because we know that of of the four of us sat here, yeah, you're the one who you're the big scaredy. I'm cat. the most cowardly. Yeah, yeah, the weasel. Well, I I I was definitely uh, tense at times. <laughs> I mean, I did. I watched it 
in the afternoon, which probably helped if I'd watched it in the dark. Uh, I might have found it scarier. Although I did then, uh, I watched it in the afternoon and then that evening I had to go into work because we had an event and uh, I, I work in a library and it's a very old building and I uh, opened it up. I was the only person that opened it up. I had to go all the way to the top of the building to the room where we were having the event. And yeah, as I say, it's a very old building. It's huge high ceilings full of books and the light switches are on the far side of the room. So I had to cross through this dark room and then I was just there with like with my finger on the light switch going like, please don't let there be a little girl standing there. And like, <laughs> I was definitely <laughs> scared uh, at that point. So it maybe affected me a bit. I like the idea but that there was a little girl, but she was just like returning a book and you just immediately like booted her <laughs> down the stairs. Um, so no, I, I, yeah, I, I think it is, it is debatable whether it is a horror film at all. Like I, I don't think it's super scary, but there's definitely some like tense moments, some chilling moments. But I think I was just interested, Patrick, because you, you basically said, that it's not really an interesting question because as ad- as adults, yeah, you're almost like we shouldn't be scared. But do you not think that if it, like whether or not this is a horror movie, but is a horror movie not trying to scare you? Is that not the point? So I actually mentioned this on a previous part. I think about maybe it. Well, no, it must have been hereditary. But like in a, in a weird small way, I find it kind of sad because as kids one of the reasons i think that you're you can be so affected by a film and by a film being so frightening is because your imagination as a kid is so wild and kind of powerful so as a kid i think you're you watch the thing and then you you struggle to to not go like okay that's just a film so as an adult anyway i know uh people like people will still like not like horror and all this stuff but i've asked you guys this before where it's like if you say something like, oh, no, it's not that scary, but can you imagine actually watching something where you're like, I'm fundamentally horribly scared here? And if not, then we're basically just going through, like, which ones are, like, gross or... Because, I, you know, something like Irreversible is utterly nightmarish and incredibly unpleasant to watch. And, like, I wouldn't want, like, my mum or, like, certain people to watch that. I think it's, like, horrible but it's not horror at all it's just like it's horrible things happening to people so i i think for me personally as someone who enjoys horror films and is grown up yeah i was a lot more scared of them when i was a child but like now i can still appreciate and judge when a film is scary and do get scared if a film is genuinely scary i appreciate that probably a lot of recently horror films have swayed towards being something slightly more intelligent yeah and as a result of that they've maybe sacrificed scares per se but there are films where you do watch them and you're tense i mean even films which aren't like that highly rated what was that film that we saw the the shark film 48 meters down i think Mm. like that film like i was really on edge the whole way through it because essentially they'd set out a premise that people were sat trapped in a cage at the bottom of the sea in the dark and essentially a shark could jump out at any minute mm-hmm. well not jump but <laughs> 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 that film like tap taps into your like because that's something that i'd be yeah. unbelievably scared of and that's why i felt sure but because like bird, bo- bird box is like no sharks in it it's in the not, river I, I i i wasn't scared in it i was certainly gripped in it i was certainly tense in it but it w- I, I wouldn't say it was a horror it was like 
it's a completely different film, but Seven. So Seven is a thriller with very horrible, uncomfortable moments. But it's not... Ho- if someone said to me, you know, what kind of film's Seven? I wouldn't say it's a horror film. I would say it's a thriller and it's got some dark stuff in it. The same with Bird Box. It's like, it's a thriller with some, like... Like, the suicide scenes are very horrible. You touched on the... um woman just getting into the burning car the woman banging her head against glass yeah, i think was the single most like distressing part yeah, of the film there's some really horrible bits in it but it's not like scary horror it's just like shock horror is that you yeah. know what I mean? it's like well, a not a although there are kind of there are much, there are a lot more sort of horror movie tropes in it than in something like seven like for example that they will die one by one and it's you are left finally with just the main character on her own. I mean, I know Billy, Billy, Billy Big Spuds here. Now he's <laughs> seen seven. Yeah, But on your point, Patrick, of like, you know, obviously things were scarier when you were a child. They're definitely more traumatizing and they stay with you. And also, you know, watching a horror movie as an adult, you don't leave the cinema and then continue to be afraid that like the, the horrible thing in the film is going to come and get you in the way that you, presumably did as a kid with the clown in it or but that kind of thing some people do though that's but, why they don't well, like watching sure them. but yeah. but i just think a horror film is fundamentally trying to make you afraid in the same way that a comedy is trying to yeah. to make you laugh like it's trying to make you feel like scared in that moment it's like and obviously it's ridiculous in the same way that watching any film is ridiculous because at the end of the day it's just a you know play of light upon the screen you know it's not really happening but when you have that suspension of disbelief and you're in the moment, yeah, it's that like don't go in there thing, or you know when someone's creeping around a corner, you know that Michael Myers is you know hiding in the wardrobe or whatever. Like you are surely afraid in that way. Space, they want you to feel afraid in that moment. Yeah, and the things I felt in the film, like um, the how do you pronounce it, Travante, Travante Rhodes, Travante Rhodes, his character I thought was was interesting and was sufficiently likable and worth like rooting for that when he's in a situation where you're like this is going badly and the because of the narrative structure and the chronological order of the film you know that he's like not in it later on which is again Mm. quite a weird one it's um but anyway sorry on the Trevante Rhodes uh character that one I'm like I am worried for him in this scene Mm um and that's an interesting one in terms of what dave said as well because he takes off the blindfold and initially you're like oh he's actually he's okay for a moment and part of you thinks like has he kind of got away with this he's going to put the blindfold back on and then sure enough there's like a slight like rushing of the wind and he turns and looks and you see his eyes like change and i thought that's done really well but i think of the different types of horror it's like you've got slasher and all those things you've got like shit things like hostile and stuff which are just grim because they're really unpleasant to torture watch porn. torture stuff yeah. yeah which is again easy and just trash uh then you've got things where horrible things happen because like seven is a good example to seven to me is much more horrific than a lot of other like classic horror films because you're like horrible serial killers exist and like these things of someone being treated really badly for a really long time like that guy who he's been torturing for like a year and drugging who's actually still alive even though it looks kind of like a skeleton you're yeah. like it's so disgusting and so like dark the subject matter that it's to me more like distressing but in terms of like yeah scares in it i i just i don't know maybe just that part of me yeah i think also 
for this i don't know if dave's like this as well but like the benchmark was set high very early in my life where like i watched something which genuinely affected me negatively for several years yeah. and i like this is it yeah i just didn't like being in the house on my own and like i was really like upset and i still think yeah again like the original it tim curry is way scarier than the modern one yeah for lots of reasons but anyway but didn't your mum show you that because she thought it was et no not my mum and my <laughs> brother's friend he's like yeah et's on i was like it's it's different yeah uh, but it's like that now as well we would watch it now i think you would as well and you would just be like we'd enjoy it and we'd be like okay cool but that part of us that that childhood part where you're just like i am frightened None of us here, I think, really have that. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I could comfortably watch the original It again. Right. Because of how traumatised it left me as a child. (laughs) But, like, I know what you mean. Like, films don't traumatise me anymore. But they still scare me in the moment. And I think that's that's what... I think that's what Adam was trying to say. Like, Mm -hmm. I... And there are films which genuinely scare me in the moment now, which I don't take even to bed with me. Yeah. Like, watching The Haunting of Hill House. I know it was a TV show. Like... I was perfectly scared when I was watching this episode. Turn it off. Yeah. yeah. Um, make sure all the lights are on and then uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> walk upstairs. But funny enough, I remember I was here with Ollie and he was suggesting certain films and he suggested a horror one and I just thought about it and I wasn't in a good mental state. I was like not feeling great or whatever and I was like, I really don't feel like that. I think it would really like mm. depress me. And stuff. So in yeah. that sense, I was like, that would yeah have an effect on me now. I'm interested to know why why you guys don't only marked it down a little bit. I, I, one one issue that I had, I don't know what you think about this, is is um, kind of the lack of uh, believable emotion in the film. Uh, believability was a bit of a problem, like in terms of you know some aspects of the story or some aspects of the premise. Um, uh, for example, like it, it bothered me a bit that they still have you know they continue to have electricity in the house for weeks when you think well how you know presumably the power state like everyone at the power station's dead like why have they still got electric and things like that and the fact that they you know she still looks clean and you know and like, he's still absolutely ripped yeah, exactly like, they're, they're all, all clean shaven her hair's perfect and you know things like that but that's that's a minor point it's a little bit distracting but it's a minor point but yeah a bigger problem was was maybe the the emotion it so for example is it is sarah paulson her sister yes yeah so uh, the big like she steps in front of a truck and is killed and in, in that moment, she's horrified, never thinks about her, seemingly thinks about her, certainly never mentions her, but it certainly didn't seem to affect her in the way that you might have expected um, at the time. And, and you mentioned John Malkovich's wife who got into the burning car. Like when Mallory first comes in, he's like, she died because of you or, or something like that. But then he never mentions her again. And then does, yeah. again, doesn't seem that torn up about it. Yeah, I think that was it for me. Like, it just felt a bit too detached from reality mm. and a bit too glossy for the kind of film that it was. And I think that I think that's where it probably lost some points for me. And I think characters is what it always happens in horror films, but characters acting in ways that they wouldn't do in real life. People kept doing things where I was like, in that situation, that I just don't believe. What sort of thing? So things like when they all know not to let other people in and then Tom Hollander's character comes in and they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's great. And just like no one bothers like keeping an eye on him and stuff like that, even though he's acting a bit weird, Mm. a bit a bit like when the couple kind of get together and then steal the car and drive off to the supermarket. I was like, 
I feel like if you'd all been living together and building a rapport, you would instead be like, why don't we all just move to the supermarket? Like you wouldn't, I, I don't feel like two people would leave that many people who they'd yeah. gotten to know to die. Yeah, and what's the advantage of them kind of creating a smaller group? I didn't mind that aspect. The, the part about the sort of coldness of characters I find quite interesting because like I do agree with that and it's arguably problematic. But I think in the case of the central character, Mallory's character, I think it's actually really interesting because the whole way throughout, even before it goes into horror, she's quite odd and she's detached and her sister's trying to say like, come on, like you've got to get out of the house. And, and, and the way she is about the fact that she's going to have a child and stuff and then when her water breaks in the film but she's just like no it's not happening and then like not naming the children initially and stuff i thought she was really fascinating and it's it it reminds me of something there's a brilliant brilliant interview with uh the actor in the film i'm constantly going on about rust and bone uh, matthias schoonarts who's also in uh, bullhead but anyway he in this interview he says some of the best actors there'll be like a look or like a something they do and he talks about how brilliant he thinks Heath Ledger's performance is in The Dark Knight and the way he like touches the wounds in his mouth with his tongue mm. and things like that and you and he says like there's a certain look or a thing there where you just it points to something then you kind of create the rest and what I thought was interesting with the Mallory character is it was just like what's going on there you know it's like why is she so like unmotherly and why is she so sort of like cold and cut off? And I, I, for me, it was just like, like that's of interest. And I found her like actually a really good um, central character and actually quite moving, like how she clearly cares for them. And she's saying like, you know, everything I do is like a decision for them, even acting quite like harshly and coldly to not give them too much hope. And I found that stuff moving it, by being quite cold. And I think a, a continuation of that, one of the more interesting moments in the film and almost like narrative subplots is her trying to encourage the little girl to be the one who sacrifices herself yeah, almost for her own family because the little boy is that's, her child. That's a very good point because also that in itself, it's quite like, um, it's quite sort of awful in a way because when the boy says like, I'll do it, he's like, no. She, she, sorry, she says no, and, and, and you kind of think what she wants to do is because the other one's not her child. Yeah. Is like, she should be the one. I think that was yeah. that was interesting. I wanted to mention the, how would you describe this, the distribution of the film, the fact that it's on Netflix. Um, it's a Netflix production, isn't it? It's not a film that Netflix had bought like they did with Annihilation. It was no, they actually, yeah. They they produced it themselves. I just feel like it's something worth talking about because, yeah, we, we reviewed Annihilation on the podcast mm. 10 months ago. And I, I feel like even since then, things have changed a bit. Like the, the landscape has changed a bit because at, at that point it felt like any film on Netflix, it was kind of, you sort of expected it to be rubbish. Mm. And like Annihilation arguably was kind of kicked onto Netflix because the studio didn't mm. really believe in it. And, and then the Netflix movies themselves, you know, none of them had been very good. But I feel like even since then, it's changed a bit. And, you know, have maybe people got their heads around the idea of, of new releases being on Netflix? I now? mean, this is one of the things I wrote down. It's definitely the most polished, production-wise, most polished film they've Netflix has done so far. Uh, so far. But I think, 
I read or maybe you told me that this film has been watched by is it 85 million Netflix subscribers. Around that, yeah. 80, mil- uh, yeah. 80 million households, I think they said, yeah. Who've all paying, what, the £10 or $10 a month. So they're obviously making a lot of money now and they are making lots more. Th- There's this um, film which came out, was it last week? Is it IO? With the guy from the Adjustment Bureau, um, which looks quite good. But they're, they're, I think they are, yeah, they're, they're definitely coming along now and making these bigger productions and like you know sandra bullock's a big hollywood name like it's again it's like they're they're gradually i say gradually they're gradually getting bigger but at quite a quick pace now i don't know if they're getting bigger because it was over a year ago that they released bright which was the will smith film and that i think that's their biggest budget film uh and that's a really like not very good film at all um but they're making a sequel because it got viewed by so many people on on the platform i feel like now they're getting it slightly better maybe with quality they seem to be learning they seem to be developing and i think that's a good thing because they've got it right obviously with tv shows but there's still i think a lot of junk that netflix puts out and every now and then they're going to get something good by you know process of elimination yeah, like, like more of averages exactly they're going to have something and this is kind of it. And they decided to put their weight behind it. And they did market it like it was an actual film release in cinemas, but with a home release. Mm. Um, and that's why so many people have watched it. And I think you guys have rated it actually much higher than I thought you mm. would. But I wouldn't say it was like an all-time great film, but it's had an audience beyond most films like Wildest Imaginations. Probably more people have gone to see that have seen this at home then we'll go and watch Star Wars. So, like, it's it's interesting Netflix as a platform is reaching that many people. So if they get a film right, it can be massive. Like, this is, you know, all over social media, like, everyone's talking about it, which you wouldn't have got. If this film had come out in the cinema, much like A Quiet Place, which you yourself say you think is a, is a better film, no one was really talking about that outside of people who really like films. Mm. Would that have happened with Bird Box? Mm. It, it definitely makes it, it, the platform makes films more accessible and much easier to watch. I mean, I think they are. I said I, I used the word bigger before, but they are getting bigger names now into these productions. Whether it's making the films or starring them, like obviously you had the Coen Brothers recently with um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, and they've got there's a new one coming out this year called Velvet Buzzsaw, which is led by Jake Gyllenhaal and it's the director of Nightcrawler which was a real critical success so it's there's big names now getting involved with ne- Netflix for sure um I don't I don't know about you but like the thing about that is it depends on the film like if w- if okay so say best case scenario we lived in Ireland where we had like this amazing multiplex cinema Star- Jersey <laughs> all that yeah Star Wars okay so I'm gonna don't take, speak positively about Jersey Case in point, well, not case in point, but Star Wars Episode Nine is out this year, this Christmas. If I have the choice between watching that at home and going to watch it in the amazing cinema, I'll definitely go and watch it in the amazing cinema. But for something like, without being negative with Bird Box, but something like Bird Box, which maybe isn't like a massive cinematic spectacle, I'm more than happy to just sit on my 
on your so tush. My, on my I, tush and watch okay. it without having to go to them. I, I agree with part of what you're saying there, but I don't think Bird Box is a particularly good example for that. And the reason being is that I actually think I was quite amazed by how, like, well, obviously I gave it a good review, but I was amazed by how good it looks and like the shots of the river and like just the whole way it's done. And I actually thought it would be better as well on a bigger screen. And it's not, you know, like the favorite arguably or like darkest hour or something like there are lots and lots of films out there or like the ultimate in terms of historically like 12 angry men which just takes place in one room it's like there's no need really for like um high sound quality and like amazing visual stuff i think this one was sufficiently scenic and kind of interesting in how it was done that it would have been better on a big screen yeah i i agree with that I just want to go back to this other point that you were making before about sort of bigger stars and stuff getting attracted to it. I think we have to remember that it's the directors and and the writers and stuff are, you know, are developing these films and all they want is to make the film and whether or not Netflix are going to fund it and distribute it on there or it's going to go and be funded by Warner Brothers and, and go into cinemas... I don't think those people necessarily mind as long as their film gets an audience and they get paid for it. I think it's exactly the same with A-list actors. They'll go, well, that director is attached. They've been involved in The Night Manager. That seems like it's a really interesting project I want to get involved in. I don't think they'll be thinking about whether or not it's a film that's going to have a Netflix release or not. I think it's just whether or not they want to be involved in, in that film. And I think the budgets that go alongside the film which will you know fall into like what the production values and stuff are like as long as the money is there someone's going to fund it and give it an audience i don't necessarily think any of the other people involved will really mind i don't know i think i i grieve you up to a point but i would say that what happens with these things which really take off like bird box they get amazing press and they get amazing buzz and then, like millions of people watch it because they because the accessibility of it. There's absolutely no way that 85 million people would have watched Bird Box at the cinema. You know the accessibility. Yeah, of but it don't is, don't forget though that films don't just go in the cinema and then disappear. Like they they get home release as well. So it could be that it's out at the cinema and then it goes on Netflix mm. or yeah. But I do Amazon agree with Ollie's point that like DVD. Maybe though we have to factor in as well the fact that it is quite a new thing for like a big film to be on Netflix. So you know, ten years down the line, it'll be the norm. So it's not like that one of them hogs all the like viewers. You know mm. what I mean? Which this one has. It's the fir- it's the first one I've watched where I've been like, okay, yeah, this is like a. But also like uh, you, you're film. talking about you're, yeah. you're talking about the actors. But if you think of it, like Sandra Bullock is an Oscar winner for Best Actress, yeah. isn't she? For Blindside, right? Yeah. And she was nominated for Gravity, I think. John Malkovich is like a very, you know, perhaps less so now, but like he's a very well-established actor and he's done stage acting. Tom Hollander's an extremely good uh, actor and like it's a very strong cast. I I do get that, but these people have been in, there there have been A-listers in Netflix films Mm. for years. Will Smith, like this, Will Smith being one example, but there, there have been others. And I, I don't think that these people will be getting attached to projects because it's a Netflix release, I think they'll be getting attached to projects because they're interested in them and they just have the faith in the studio, whether the studio is Netflix or one of the other major studios, that it'll get seen by people. Yeah. The, the fact is, as you've rightly pointed out, 
this film makes a difference to you because it's the first good one. So Netflix has just had loads of misses. If anything, it points to the fact that most of the films that they've made so far have not been very good. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be more of a shift, though, that more films are... So, like, for example... I don't know, so this never happened, but if the new James Bond film, for example, they decided we're not going to release it at the cinema, we're just going to go on Netflix. Do you think that will happen more, where it won't be just Netflix <coughs> produced films, it will be yeah. other studios who will be using the platform to put their films out? So that happens now, but again, it's a distribution thing. So it won't be an active decision by MGM who makes the James Bond films. It will be Netflix stumping up the cash to buy the distribution okay. rights okay. for the film. Yeah. Well, it's certainly so it's, it's going to be interesting I think to th- see. I think there'll be more and more develops. of these, more and more films on Netflix, mm. and probably more and more good films because they'll get more money because they're growing and, and bigger names. <laughs> 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 so we really need to bring this to an end uh, because I love before it's nearly <laughs> just do a quick one. It's nearly <laughs> half eleven on a Sunday night. Yeah, well, lots more films to talk about in the coming weeks and months, I'm sure. But that's about it, I think. Cheers, guys. Thanks. actually end the previous podcast do you we know didn't, what did we? i'm just thinking we didn't because no. we kind of had that discussion about <laughs> do you want to do a fake we'll do a fake it i'll just say like okay well that about brings us to the end thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> thanks adam it's be your last one for a while pat won't it? i know fare thee well off to tanzanar 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 our man in africa i can uh <laughs> i can send uh Get your ear yeah, to the ground. Send my reviews over. Yeah, I'm closing my laptop. Do so some of those hand solo yeah, ones well, again. If, if, if it's the last one for me, it's probably the last one for the listeners as well. So. <laughs> also, a microwave is a, a microwave is a box. So we've, <laughs> we've got some birds in, in a, a box, box at the moment. We do. Mm. What are we talking about, Adam? <laughs> We're talking about a film called Bird Box. So yeah, great segue, Oli. It uh, really was not at all forced. Uh, <laughs> really was some of the most seamless broadcasting I've ever been a part of.